The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And a very pleasant Sunday morning, everyone. I'm Mark Segrist, along with Acunet Mortgage and Acunet Realty Advisors, owner Brian Wickert, and Chief Millennial Loan Consultant David Wickert. Gentlemen, good to be with you again. Absolutely, and we're uh, coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona today. We're on spring break like a lot of people. And so uh, we thought that uh, since it's that time of year where Wisconsinites and others in the Midwest go south like like birds, no, well, we're kind of, I guess they call them snowbirds. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's talk about maybe you're going to get that bug to buy, finally buy that second home in Florida or Arizona or someplace somewhere. Maybe you're thinking about buying a place up north. Or in the Dells. There you go. You know, for a summer, get away from, uh, you know, the the city. Um, so I think a lot of people, when they're considering buying a second home, think, you know what I'm going to do is I'll rent it out at VRBO or Airbnb uh, when I'm not using it myself. Right? Don't you think a lot of people uh, okay. think that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hopefully fact, you're buying a second home because you want to use it. Right. But as a matter of fact, the house that we're staying in is exactly that. It's a very nice uh, home. Yeah. Uh, but the folks bought it, and they, they do rent it out on VRBO. I happen to know them, and they rent it out. I'm happy to be here, and they're not. Let's put it that way. That's awesome. All right. But here's my uh, warning, and we've said this before on the show. Please do not try to finance a second home if you really intend to rent it out for more than 14 days a year. That's my magic number. And because the reason you don't want to um, rent it out and then try to finance it as a second home is because um, that's mortgage fraud. Fraud. <clears throat> and that's a federal felony punishable by only three things, 30 years in prison, <laughs> a million-dollar fine, up to a million-dollar fine, and the ultimate lender, which is probably Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, can ultimately foreclose on you instantly because you committed fraud on the mortgage application, and that is one of the reasons you can be completely current on your payments. Don't matter. But if you misrepresent your occupancy is the term we use, they can throw down the hammer and say, pay all the money back right now. I would rather pay the million dollars than the 30 years myself. Oh, okay. Good to know. Uh, now, in mortgage world, we have three occupancy statuses. Primary residence, that makes sense. It's where I live most of the time. Right. Second home, that's called a second residence, that you do not rent out more than 14 days a year. I'll come back to that magic number in a second. And the third category is cleverly called non-owner occupied. The third bucket, the catch-all bucket. It's everything else. Yeah. And so that does include genuine rental properties that mm -hmm. you buy and finance with the intent of renting it out. Nor do we recommend getting a second home, renting it out, and not reporting it on your taxes. That would be bad, too. The IRS probably frowns on that. Yeah. But it also, this non-owner-occupied category also includes things like, well, I bought a condo in Minnesota or a duplex in, you know, Green Bay for my college student son or sure, daughter to sure. live in while they go to school. That is also non-owner-occupied. Right. Because the owner ain't occupying the property. Fancy. And another thing I've seen that falls into this category is, hey, I, I bought my mother's house, and she's living in it now. She doesn't pay me any rent. 
And yeah. that's also not on the bucket. Right. So now the reason why buyers want to get cute, though, a lot of times and say, well, yeah, I'm going to finance it as a second home yeah. instead of a rental property is because you get a better deal on the uh, on the mortgage. And yeah. here's the quantifiable difference. So if you're buying a second home and it's single family detached, you can put as little as 10% down. And it gets priced exactly the same as if it was your primary residence. Right. So I just looking at a Florida deal today, two hundred and forty thousand dollars loan on a purchase price of two sixty seven. That happens to be ten percent down. Four and a half percent is the going rate, no points, uh, and the annual percentage rate is four point eight four because you'd be paying some private mortgage insurance to do the ten percent down, and we'd be able to chip in five hundred dollars toward your closing costs. So that's if it's a second home. Now, if we call it a uh, rental property, non-owner-occupied, non-owner-occupied, then you have to put 5% more down. Miraculously, you can still only put 15% down right. on a single-family home. and But now the rate jumps up to 4.875, mm. and you also have to pay me two points up front to get that rate. Oof. So now let's quantify that for you in terms of monthly payment. And see if it's worth risking the million-dollar fine and 30 30 years years. in prison and immediate foreclosure. The monthly payment difference is 15 bucks a month. Part of that's because you're borrowing a little less money. And, you know, the closing cost difference is substantial. It's almost $5,000 different. But is it worth, you know, taking that? Trading $5,000 for a million? Oh, yeah. I think that's good insurance to really, you know, finance the property as it is. Now... The magic 14 days, I didn't know this, but I got it right off the IRS website. Um, The 14 days is magic because the IRS says right in black and white, if you rent out a property 14 or fewer days a year, do not report anything in terms of income or expense. Period. Thank you. Just go on your merry way. All right. When we come back from this first break, I've got a little bit more information on second homes that I'll share with you right after this. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you through the home buying process. Welcome back to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And we are back with more on second homes. And, Brian, you were uh, giving us some pretty good inside information about what to do and what not to do. Indeed, and and I want to dive into um, condos in particular because it's a little bit more complicated, condominiums as second homes. And, David, I didn't tell you this, but I picked up Mom at the airport yesterday, mm-hmm. and as we're driving in, what does she say to me? We should get a place here. Exactly. We're, we're doing the <laughs> show from landed. Phoenix. She's like, Brian, I think we should really buy a place here in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I said, what? So uh, my my opinion <laughs> On owning second homes, because we wouldn't rent it out. Or I don't know, maybe maybe I should talk to her again today and see if she intends to rent it out. Oh. I don't think so though. Okay. You just you gotta get there enough. It's a it's a to make it worth it. Well, right? Because think about it. Even if you bought like a three hundred thousand dollar condo or a home here. Well, even if you're driving up to Rhinelander, you know, on weekends. Yeah, but you're going to more, for a Wisconsin, you're probably going to get there more often than taking the four-hour plane ride. Okay. You know, so my conversation with your mother was, hey, so let's think about that. So we'd stay, like, for two weeks. Then, you know, we have a grandson, so we can't be gone that long. So we're going to go back for two weeks and come down two more weeks. You know, let's look at how much we'd actually have to pay to rent a place okay. versus 
slapping down the down payment, you know, $60,000 of what I like to call dead money. Yeah. Right, because that ain't making any money for me. That's totally just, yeah. it's totally convenience and lifestyle. Sure. And then. And you got to buy couches for that new second oh, home, that's too. that's right. you got to furnish and new the blinds. And pay taxes and utilities and all that stuff. So yeah. pool maintenance fees. Personally, I'm not interested in buying a second home just because I don't think we'd use it enough at our, you know, now we're getting older. But I don't see us being away, you know, with the advent of grandchildren, okay. um, you know, that much. All right. So there's, you know, we can help you do Real the math. Real life example. We can help you. We can help talk you out of <laughs> buying a second home any day of the week. Just okay. call me. But I did have a customer who literally emailed me last week and said, Brian, we're headed down to Florida for spring break. Get me teed up to buy a condo. Just in case there. he Yeah, because we're going to be shopping. Oh, okay. I'm like, awesome. Not accidental shopping. Like, they are going Kinda, down We to are do actually it. literally going to look around. And this, okay. is, this is great for a lot of people. Sure. So, um, so here's the tip number one. If it has a bulldozer or a crane in front of it, I can't help you in Florida. Okay? I could help you, and I'm doing a loan for somebody right now in Wisconsin. I could help you in Wisconsin, Minnesota, or Illinois on new construction condos, but my... New construction condo money source doesn't want to do it in Florida, and neither does Fannie Mae. Okay, why is there more risk down there? Well, they still perceive it to be so. Yeah, and they actually perceive it to be so in any market. Okay, okay for Fannie Mae, and and that's their requirement is all the common areas have to be complete. So and all the buildings and units have to be substantially complete before Fannie Mae is interested in lending in the property. Plus, uh, 50-50% of the units have to be um, sold or under contract. Okay. Okay. So if if you're down here on spring break or you're in Florida on spring break and you're going, oh, wow, look at this beautiful new condo complex, and it's only 25% built, you know, and yeah. the common areas aren't done, it's like, mm, I can't help well, you. Well, yeah, Acunet might not be able to help, but if you want to get into that place, I'm guessing the builder... Probably has somebody in their back pocket. They might. They might. But the other thing I've done for many a Wisconsin and Illinois new condo buyer, uh, they're a resident of Illinois or Wisconsin, and they want to buy a new condo in Florida, Arizona, is we can, David. Cash out refinance? That's right. So this guy happens to own his Wisconsin property free and clear. Uh-huh. So I said, you know, if you want to buy that new condo, and he's looking to borrow maybe 400000 I can give you a loan on your Wisconsin property. And I just did that last year for another good client and friend of mine Yeah, who did buy a new construction condo in Florida. Right. And I did a cash-out refund for him on his Wisconsin property. Now, right. under the new tax regulations, David, what's the drawback? No deductibility on the cash-out refund? That's correct. You will not be able to deduct the interest on that loan, but... Uh, Hashtag no. problems. Yeah, not, you know, with the new lower marginal tax rate, that's probably not. I hope you're not buying a second home for the tax benefits or consequences. Correct. So uh, on a condominium, if you're buying it as a second home and it is, you know, an existing project, yeah, we can do that with 30% down and do a very minimal condo project review. If you put less than 30% down, then we are going to, Examine the condo project with a microscope. Which, again, not for the last time, is are things you want to know. How is the health of this place that is my second home that I might not be here a lot? Because you don't want to just show up one time and be like, hey, we need $30,000 for a new roof from you. 
which remember when we went uh, a couple years ago, we went on spring break to Florida, yeah, and we were talking to the condo unit owner, and she said she had gotten whacked. And this was only a $350,000 condo. I believe the number was $70,000 in what's called special assessments yeah. to replace the siding and the roofing. It was right on the ocean, yeah. and it had gone to pot, and they wow. hadn't set aside enough. The joys of condo living. That's right. All right, when we come back, we're going to give you a little update on mortgage rates. And this is the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Find a place to call home without the headache. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And we are back. And Brian and David, we're going to start talking about rates. Am I correct? You are correct. And uh, mortgage rates are pretty darn good. And I remember we had a little bit of run-up in rates after last week's Fed meeting where the Federal Reserve said, hey, we and they did, raise short-term rates, which immediately jacked up the prime rate from 4.5 to 4.75. I got uh, an alert uh, that, hey, the ban- or the rate on my credit card at Chase went from 16.49 to 16.74. Please tell me you have no balance. It's a zero balance, okay. but they still sent me the alert saying that it's that it went up immediately. Correct. And, and uh, you know, same thing for all equity lines of credit, which the banks are still, you know, advertising the heck out of. But what scared the markets a little bit was that the Fed was fairly upbeat with their economic forecast. And there's a decent chance that they might do three more rate hikes this year. Two is a virtual certainty, which mm-hmm. would uh, make us end the year at five and a quarter on the prime rate. Wow. Five and a quarter. And it could be five and a half. And then they're saying two or three more next year. That makes right now still a great time to take a look at consolidating your prime rate denominated uh, debts, whether it's credit cards or uh, home equity line balances with your existing first mortgage. All right. So with all that said, then, the stock market has been getting whipped around this past week. That's been a little bit helpful for uh, long-term mortgage rates. So, David, where are we right now? Sure. So at the close of business, Acunet could offer on with 25% equity and all the other right stuff on a $200,000 loan. If you wanted that trophy rate on your 30-year at 3.99 still, uh, Acunet could charge you 2.2 points. The APR is 4.22. I would not be my personal recommendation, but, hey, if you think you're going to be in this house for a long time, by all means, um, if you prefer uh, to not overinvest in that rate, Acunet could deliver 4.5%. APR is 4.55 with just uh, 1000 bucks in costs. Don't say 1000 dude. 999 Do I teach you anything about marketing? Yeah, I missed retail class. All right, what about the 15-year? Uh, so on the 15-year, uh, coming back down a little bit, uh, 3.99%, APR is 4.07. That's with $1,100 in cost. You know, the difference, just to quantify it for people, the difference between investing to get 399 and 45 on the 30-year is a cool $4,600, I think. But it would lower your payment by $59.69. Okay. And, David, the annual percentage rate calculation proves that over the entire 30 years of the loan, the 3.99 is, in fact, the, the better deal. odds of being in the same mortgage in the same house for three decades is, you know, negative Slim 2%. Amount. By the way, the mathematical tipping point where you would recoup your upfront investment of $5,584 to get the trophy rate of 399 versus getting the 45 with $995 closing costs is 6.5 years. 
So it takes 6.5 years of lower monthly payments to make up for the higher upfront closing costs. That's fall of 2024. That's right. And so, but some people take that option. Okay. And God bless them. It is the long-term certain winner. That's fine. But over our almost 19-year history of helping people with their mortgage financing, yeah. we've noticed that interest rates wax and wane. Correct. And so we might be at some time, and who knows if it'll ever really happen again, but maybe rates will come back down to 3.99 when we hit the next recession, and sure. we'd be able to get you that rate for free like we were able to do earlier this fall. Right, because if I can call you any time in the next six and a half years, you're never going to make back That's right. your investment. So anyway, we have lots and lots of choices for people, and we're really good at helping them understand them because, Mark, um, and I don't know if we've done this with you. I know I did it with uh, Gene Miller. Sure. Um, you can actually look at our consultant's loan screen in just a few clicks, and then we're reviewing the details of the numbers, because, frankly, mortgages are a jungle of numbers. Yeah. And, you know, one of my favorite things is is that the government now lumps together money that you deposit mm-hmm. into your tax escrow account, Yeah. money that you uh, put away for homeowner's insurance, and your actual cost of getting a loan, and they label it all as closing costs. Mm-hmm. And so every once in a while we get a panicked uh, home buyer or home buyer were calling up saying, oh, my God. My closing costs are seven thousand dollars. Right. No, they're actually zero. Yeah. That's just the money that you're depositing into your tax escrow account. So we have money. Yeah. In there to pay them. You know, that's not a loan cost, but the government labels it as closing costs. But you'll understand that if you let me let you look at my screen. That's right. While we review that together, and then we compare the two. Blah blah blah. Different. Sometimes different down payments. When we come back, I'm going to tell you a story about a um, couple. Uh, both happen to be uh, pastors, and they're going to be moving from Wisconsin to the Twin Cities area. It was a very challenging um, case, but we did a really cool thing for them, and they now have a property under contract in the Twin Cities. I'll give you the details on that story when we come back. And we'll look forward to that. And you're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Expert advice on buying a home. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And we are back. And, Brian, before the break, you're about to tell us a good story about uh, helping out uh, some pastors who are relocating to the cities. You got it. And uh, that's really a fun thing about what we do. At least I, I find it very gratifying is when someone presents an unusual or sometimes difficult fact pattern and we are able to pull the rabbit out of the hat and make it all happen. And that's exactly what occurred uh, this past week. I got the call from uh, the reverend, and uh, and she and her husband are both pastors. And they, um, her husband is retiring uh, in May and so will not have regular income and doesn't want to start taking Social Security, uh, but has money in an IRA, in a pension fund, in a, in a church pension fund. And then she is also of retirement age, but she's going to get a new job in the Twin Cities, uh, which this particular sect of Christianity calls a call. But she hasn't done any interviewing yet because she's not going to be done with her current job till the end of June. But they want to buy the new house in the Twin Cities in May. So how do you qualify somebody <laughs> when they don't have any income? You create new income. That's right. So uh, working with their financial advisor, 
the um, situation is that we are going to have them, because did I mention they are both older than 59 and a half, Mm -hmm. they are going to start taking withdrawals from their pension fund. Their retirement account. Their retirement account. I have calculated the amount of income that we need them to take in order to qualify for the new mortgage in in the Twin Cities. By the way, they are currently renting, so they didn't have a house to sell, which is very nice. That's nice. And and so we did all that work. I think it was on Wednesday. Um, also verified their assets with their financial advisor. Rock they're solid. For their, yep, issued them the rock solid pre-approval, and they got the property, the accepted offer. Wow. That day, and they are thrilled. Cool. Because guess what? You know where their grandchildren live? Uh, the Twin Cities. And where do her elderly parents live? In nearby. The Twin Cities, right? So this is. They are just so thrilled. Now, the other unique thing about uh, clergy is that they get to take a special uh, deduction. Uh, a clergy person, you know, let's say they make $50,000 a year, yeah. they can uh, declare some of it to be housing allowance. So this is unique for men and women of the cloth, as they say. And so not only is the interest deductible and reduces their taxable income, but also the principal and also the property taxes and also the insurance wow. and anything else they use on housing gets lopped off their income, just like when you put money into your 401k or your IRA. David? So is, I'm guessing that your advice was you should buy a big house. No, I mean, they, they picked out the house, but what, what I did do, and we're going to have a call on this with their financial advisor, is a lot of times with clergy people will go with the 15-year fixed. Yeah. Why is that? It's a bigger payment. Bigger payment. That's right, less taxable income. And then the other thing that oh. I did, because, of course, everybody thinks, oh, I've got to put 20% down, got to put 20% down. I showed them that, you know what, with 15% down, because of your excellent credit, we can do no monthly PMI at the same rate as if you put 20% down. Yeah. Okay? And that allowed them to take less money out of their investment investment accounts, which they were going to take it out of the pension account for the down payment. Allowed them to, you know, yeah. keep an extra fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. Let that ride. Let that ride. So now the only thing that's left to really decide is whether we're going to go with the thirty year, the twenty year, or the fifteen year. Because rightly so, you know, they want to make sure that when they do actually retire, <laughs> that they can that they can afford easily it. afford the payment. So that's why we're talking to the financial advisor. But. Go back to the income thing. Exactly. That's what I was going to go. Well, do you have a question? I just, well, how do you prove or start the income? Right, right. Okay, good question. So uh, we have the financial advisor send the borrowers, the buyers, a letter saying, dear, you know, John and Mary, uh, this letter is to confirm that you're going to begin receiving $6,000 a month from your uh, pension account starting, it's got to be at least two weeks before closing. Okay. Now, do they have to continue that? No, it's America. It's America. They can turn that off. Well, you're just proving, hey, if I needed to create income from this pile of money, I could. You cannot do that because I was talking to a different borrower, same situation. Well, I'll just take it out of my regular investment account. Nope. You cannot do that. You can't take it out of your non-retirement account because that is not income. So like a savings account at the bank? Savings account or his mutual funds or his brokerage account. 
This technique of taking withdrawals only works when you're taking it out of an IRA or a 401k or a pension fund. Qualified account. So it has to be money reserved for that specific purpose, in other words, right? Right. Correct. And, And it's because, Mark, the IRS regards that as income. Yes. Okay. And so does the mortgage world. If you take money out of your savings account... You're just depleting your savings. Right. Yeah. If you take it out of your IRA, shazam, income, income, and that's what mortgage lenders need to prove. Mm. All right. When we come back, David has got a couple other stories to share. All right. This break. I'm sorry. You're listening to the Yak and the Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And we are back. Having fun listening to the show uh, this weekend, guys. You're doing a great job. Brian, back to you. Well, thanks. All right. David, over to you. Over to me. Double pass. Yeah, so this is the continuing story of uh, folks who uh, were able to use their rock-solid pre-approval to uh, win against several other offers. Many. Many other More than a handful. Correct. But the... um, Give and take when you are mm, stuck between a rock and a hard place. Well, no, when you're trying to compete, well, you're trying to win the seller's you're favor. Ne- negotiating away some things so that, so that they say yes. Okay, and what are some of the things that they had to do to get it? Did they well, have to for price? These folks, well, it was price. Well, and what did they have to do? Uh, they wrote $14,000 over the asking, and they included an acceleration clause. Okay, uh, that did get accelerated. Correct, right? correct. Okay. Uh, furthermore, they did not have an appraisal contingency. So working without a net there, but that's very attractive to the seller. Right. right? It's like, hey, you're willing to pay me more than I'm asking? Awesome that exactly. you don't have the protection of the appraisal to then. Exactly. Uh, and then furthermore, they gave uh, the seller the right to cure defects. Ah, the right to cure defects. Tell me more about that, dude. Okay, so a number of things came up in the inspection, mm-hmm. and um, I think it was seven. Okay. Um, five we're of them were totally fixable. Taken care of. And then, um, two. well, two, one was chimney-related and one was roof-related. I thought one was uh, uh, grading. Uh, the, Those are the two remaining. Correct. So, so we get the question mm, semi-frequently, hey, can we just escrow for, you know, fixing that sometime after closing and, you know, We'll get somebody out there, you know, before the end of time to get it all fixed up. Mm-hmm. And there is always a time limit. But the, but the two questions we got were on the roof, I believe, and the grading. Correct. And so what was the answer? Well, so the only time we can escrow, which means delay getting it fixed, is when it's weather-related. Okay. Hey, is there snow on the ground? and Snow on the roof. Or snow on the roof and you can't get at it? Okay, that's a reason to not be able to fix the defect in this case but um and then we can do an escrow hold back which we do by the way at 120 percent of the written bid so if they say it's going to cost ten thousand dollars here's a written bid to fix the roof ten grand we have to have twelve thousand dollars set aside by the seller in a special account held by a title company to pay for that when the work is done. But why couldn't we do the roof this time of year, dude? Why couldn't we do a hold, uh, ask for a hold back? Well, because uh, the roof issue was on the interior side of the house. And even if it was on the outside, it is now, you know, East spring. Yeah. There's no reason. There right. is no weather-related reason right. to delay a roof fix. Though, So the interesting thing here was in any time you give the seller the right to cure a defect, it only needs to be done in a workmanlike manner. Good and workmanlike manner. 
which the definition of that remains fuzzy. Although I think that they negotiate an amendment in this case where they had some details around it. Correct. Okay. But in this case, they were fixing the roof rafter from the inside mm. of the roof. And so it came down to, well, we might have to punch a hole in the roof in order to get the rafter fixed properly. Mm. Then I'll patch over the roof on the outside. And so the agent gave us a buzz and was kind of asking, like, do, Can, we have, do we have the grounds to, is the aesthetic? No, no, she was I took the call. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But but the, the the real issue is we had to have that roof done prior to closing. Why? Because there's no reason to delay it. Right. And then the other thing that lenders always care about is, is it safety related? Is it safety or marketability related? Correct. Okay. And that would be a big one. If you've got a bum, you know, defective rafter that needs replacing, that is a big item. Now, on the grading, yeah. we are able to do an escrow on that. Correct. Because the ground is too wet. Frozen. Well, is it either frozen or wet? Is probably some of each. Probably frozen down below, wet on the top. Yeah. And so that we said, hey, you've got a. Uh, we can do an escrow hold back on that again at 120 percent of the bid cost, and then I think we're putting on a 75 day limit. Correct. That the work has to be done. Hopefully, it's not snowing days. in May. And then you know what our recourse is if if they don't get it done? I have no idea. Actually. We can jump in there and cause it to be done. Oh. As the lender. You're going to get out there and fix the grading? I've got a rake and a shovel. With a shovel. <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back, I've got one more story, an interesting one, about uh, somebody buying a home that's not in the greatest shape. I'll tell you the details around that when we come back. And this is the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. And we are back. And, Brian and David, you've got a couple of interesting stories to share with us. What's up? Yeah, this uh, last story for uh, this Easter Sunday segment of our show, episode, is that what these are? Sure. Uh, and so this one came in this week, another you know interesting deal where the Buyer, it's a purchase transaction, already owns a second home on a lake, uh, has his primary uh, residence as a condo, and now has an accepted offer on a much larger uh, property on a different lake, but in the same county. Okay. okay. So he's trying to upgrade his second home is the way it kind of lays right out right now, because mm-hmm. remember, we we're kind of talking about the various occupancies. This is the third bucket. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. This is this is second home. Okay. I'm I'm presenting it his as second, a second his second second home. Well, but it's just like when you're selling your primary residence and buying a new primary residence. Oh. It's about making the case, telling a story. Well, to the underwriting folks. Okay. And this happens to be a jumbo loan, meaning the loan amount's over four hundred fifty-three thousand one hundred. So it's a bank portfolio uh, loan. So. Better to tell a story to those sure. human beings because they're not quite as rule bound as uh, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. Okay. So, so the way I'm presenting the case is, hey, this is his new upgraded second home that he's trying to buy. It's on a big piece of land, hmm. and the house isn't very large, nor is it in very good condition. Um, now, it's not in like dilapidated condition. It's just like n- nobody would really want to live. There. Okay. Um, you know, just kind of, you know, there's no carpet in it right now. The kitchen's really basic. And what this person really intends to do 
is to put like a quarter of a million dollars into remodeling it. Okay. He definitely, it's like, why don't you just scrape it to the ground and start over? Well, that would cost too much. I really want to remodel it. I want to use the bones as they are. Yeah, that's right. And huh. uh, and kind of just mainly do, you know, exterior skin, let's say, and also everything on the inside, new kitchen, new baths, all that stuff. So the issue, and I talked to one of the senior underwriters at the portfolio lender, is we have to make it believable that this is his new second home. And so she suggested, and I think this isn't bad, why don't we um, have him list his existing second home for sale? Oh. No, he could list it for a million dollars, you know, way over. Uh, I guess we wouldn't want it for a million. It would have to be something less than this new property that he's trying to buy. Okay. But to say, yeah, look, see, he really is trying to sell that old place because it's going to take him, you know, probably the better part of nine months. Because when the dust settles in 12, 18, 24 months, his new reality is going to be primary hey, residence. Oh. The new place is actually, he's what? actually going to sell both the condo and his existing second home, and this will be his new primary residence. So that's part of my story as well. Huh. And I'm trying to do it with 10% down. What? Yeah, I'm trying to do it with 10% down. Well, because he needs it to preserve his cash. To remodel the place. For the remodel. Okay, so that's my strategy that I'm going after there. I'll I'll let you know how that turns out. Because it's a lot of, you know... Detail? A lot of... Is that where the devil lies? <laughs> the devil lies in the details when it comes to mortgage financing. Well, and, and don't you think... And maybe he's already got a backup, I would hope. But wouldn't it reduce your heartburn or the uncertainty if you simply, before you wrote the offer on the place that... You're not sure if you're going to be able to pull it off. Wouldn't it reduce your heartburn if you simply picked up the phone and talked to somebody about the money that you're going to need before you went and put pen to paper? Yes, and and this particular gentleman did that. He does have a back pocket offer uh, from an out of state bank that he doesn't want to use. He would rather well, and I just I don't mean just for this guy. I just right, mean right. for anybody. But in general, because you were mentioning, you know, somebody, you know, if if you make a lot of money and you have good credit and you have a lot of money in the bank, a lot of people just think it's all sunshine. I'm good. It's good. Everybody want to lend me money, but eh, sometimes there's more to it. You know, in the details. You know, one thing you mentioned is if you have a jumbo loan again, that's any loan amount over four hundred fifty-three thousand one hundred dollars. There are more restrictions on. Gifts for down payment or reserves. That's oh, that's right. We had that. I, I'm working on a jumble right now where, if it's a jumble loan, you have to have reserves left over after you make your down payment and pay closing costs equal to six months of monthly payments. And so, reserves are you don't have to bring the money to the closing table. We just got a point that you got backup. And it can be retirement funds. Okay. In some cases, it, it varies. So the bottom line is, if you're out there shopping for a home in the, the, a number of homes for sale is still too few for the number of buyers. Mm -hmm. Please let the good folks at Accident Mortgage help you help yourself, make you the best representation uh, that you possibly can be of your facts, and give you a rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy. They really do work. And all you got to do to get started with a rock-solid pre-approval or a no Social Security number required refi checkup because rates are still low, click on that big blue button at Accident.com. Thanks, Mark. We'll see you next week. Well, Brian and David, thanks for the past hour. Great information as always. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'm Mark Segrist. You're listening to WTMJ Milwaukee.
The preceding was a paid program. Advice and opinions expressed during the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show are solely that of the hosts or guests of Accident Mortgage and Accident Realty Advisors and not WTMJ Radio or Scripps Media Incorporated.